illuminating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Call me right now, 888-914-9149. toll-free line to call to talk to me for free, 888-914-9149. You can also email the show. Great to hear from you. Got several fantastic emails from listeners recently, and you can email me as well. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter as well, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E on the end. That's the right way to do it. It's the right way to spell it. No offense to anybody with, who's named Clark with a K. You're cool as well. Brothers and sisters from another mother. But anyways, I also want to give a very special welcome to all of our new listeners in Detroit, Michigan. That's right. This week, Relevant Radio, 1030 a.m. went on the air in the Motor City. There are also four other FM stations in the area. And like Steely Dan sang about years ago, FM, no static at all, right? You can get a complete listing of all of our stations in Michigan and across the country at RelevantRadio.com or our mobile app. So if you have friends in the area, if you have friends living in the greater Detroit region uh, and Windsor, that's right, Windsor, Ontario, right across the Ambassador Bridge. How about that? Relevant Radio is taking over Canada, too. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, but wherever they may be, please tell your friends to tune in, make Relevant Radio part of their Lenten journey. So welcome Motown listeners. And hey, if you want to call in, it'd be great to hear from you. 888-914-9149. Well, we are in the first week of Lent, the first full week of Lent. And we've got a lot of cool things to talk about on this show. I'm going to tell you later about just a miracle that occurred, a miracle at a place called Devil's Slide. And th this is a story that you will not believe, that you will not soon forget either. I'll share this with you later, the miracle of Devil's Slide. And I'm going to talk about how a pop star just got ordained. But first, we, we need to talk about the Memento Mori moment of the day. And of course, we're going through Lent with some highlights from Sister Teresa Alethea Noble's Lenten devotional called Remember Your Death, Memento Mori. And, of course, Memento Mori is Remember Your Death in Latin. In case you didn't know, now you are a baby Latin scholar. I'm terrible at Latin, so you and I can take comfort in that together. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, here we go. Let's go with uh, Wednesday of the first week of Lent. And the, really the first reading, uh, a really intriguing reading from the book of Jonah at Mass, if you had a chance to attend Mass today. And we did a series on Jonah as part of the Faith Explained show on RelevantRadio.com. You can check it out there. Hopefully it's still in the archives there. But here's what it says in Luke chapter 11, which was the gospel of today, linking very much so with the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jesus says, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Except the sign of Jonah. So here's what Sister Teresa says about this passage in today's devotional entry. I just want to quote her for a little bit, and I'll give my insight on this as well, a little comments, uh, reflections as we go along. She says, quote, Some followers of Jesus were hungry for sign after miraculous sign. 
Their focus was not on Jesus' divine identity, but what he could do for them. <laughs> I just want to stop there for a second. How true that is. How true that is. And Jesus knew there were people who were following him for the fish and the loaves because they had their fill, because they had a filet fish for free. And, and, and he wanted to draw them to, obviously, something a little bit more real, a little bit more deeper in terms of discipleship. It's not uh, discipleship. It's not about what he can give. You've got to know him. So Sister Teresa continues, quote, in today's gospel, Jesus tells the people the only sign they will receive is the sign of Jonah. Now, of course, at this point, Jesus has performed many signs and wonders, healings, exorcisms, feeding thousands of people with just a handful of loaves and raising the dead. Jesus is a God-man of signs and wonders, and yet some people still do not believe. So Jesus tells them that they will have one final sign. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is more specific about the nature of this sign. He says, quote, Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, Matthew twelve forty. So again, Matthew Uh, has Jesus explaining this in a little bit more detail. And St. Augustine said this about this passage. He said, quote, As Jonah passed from the ship to the belly of the whale, so Christ passed from the cross to the sepulcher, or into the abyss of death. End of quote. So the sign of Jonah is very clear. It's the three days that Jesus spent in the heart of the earth before his resurrection. His final descent on Holy Saturday into the abyss of death. The abyss of death, as St. Augustine puts it. And this kind of shed some light on the Apostles' Creed. He descended into hell, that line. And, and that is so misunderstood by a lot of people. And I think when they did the new translation of the Mass, this is I think back in 2010, when the new English translation of the Mass came out, the new translation of the Creed, This was one instance, maybe the only instance, where I actually prefer the old translation, where it said he descended to the dead, to the dead. Because some people ask, did Jesus ascend into the hell of fire, the hell of the damned? Did he descend, rather, to the hell of fire? No, he did not. No, he did not. So this word hell, he descended into hell, it's it's a bit of a semantic problem. But this really refers to what the Old Testament calls Sheol. Now, when you read the Psalms, for example, a lot of you guys are reading the Psalms in great detail during Lent. You hear about Sheol again and again. Don't send me down to Sheol, that sort of thing. Well, Sheol is essentially the realm of the dead, which is all-encompassing. It's kind of a catch-all term that covers everything that might happen in the afterlife. Heaven. Hell, purgatory, and of course everybody in purgatory is going to heaven. It's not a, you know, a destination unto itself. It's, it's not a halfway house between heaven and hell. Everyone who's in purgatory is in fact in God's friendship, but they're imperfectly purified. And they, and they need to go through this purification in purgatory before they can stand before Almighty God and His holiness. And that's what we talked about today, by the way, on the Faith Explained program. So if you didn't catch that, uh, go to the archives on the Relevant Radio app or on the website, because we talked about the holy clothing of the priest. And a lot of us have holes in our clothes, but but when I'm talking about holy clothing, I'm not talking about moth-eaten clothing. I'm talking about the vestments of the high priest. 
And he needed these vestments like a firefighter needs gear for protection because when you're in the presence of the fire of God's love and holiness, whew, it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. And so they needed this protection. And in the same way, the book of Hebrews says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So we need that purification uh, if we die in his friendship, but we're not yet made perfect yet. And so anyways, th that also included, of course, in the old covenant time, Sheol would include this place called paradise, referred to the Hebrews as paradise. It's also known as Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom. And Jesus talked about this, of course, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 16. Obviously, the, the rich man, he dies, he goes to essentially hell, and he can't, he can't get out. He can't get out. And he, and he sees far off in the distance, he sees Lazarus, the poor beggar that he ignored and maltreated uh, during his life on earth. He sees him standing at Abraham's side in, in what's, what was known as paradise. So this is where the, the spirits of righteous men and women went the saints of the Old Covenant time, it was a very pleasant place. It's like a resort almost, but much better. And But they couldn't go fully into God's presence in heaven until the redemption had been accomplished. I know it's a little tricky when we talk about these things because we're talking about things outside of time and space. It's like when people say, oh, you're going to have to spend a lot of time in purgatory. Technically, there's no time in purgatory because you're dealing with eternal things. It might feel like an eternity as you're being purified, but... Um, Paul talks about being saved as if through fire. It's like purifying gold in the fire. That might not be a pleasant experience because we're basically letting go of all these sinful attachments. But nonetheless, it is something in eternity. There's a bit of a mystery to it. And of course, it is a parable that Jesus is telling. But but that, that's where Lazarus was. He was at Abraham's side. And the rich man's like, man, I want to get there. And he's told, can't do it. Cannot pass from you to us. A great chasm has been fixed. No one can pass from us to you as much as we might want to help you. Reach out our hand, pull you up here. We can't. And you can't get, get up to, to where we are either. He's like, well, well, please, Father Abraham, send Lazarus or anybody to warn my brothers. I've got five brothers. At least tell them about this so that they won't wind up where I am. They need to start taking their lives seriously, their spiritual life seriously, the way they treat other people seriously, the way they treat their employees, seriously. No. He is told, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone were to rise from the dead. Now, as Jesus is telling this parable, keep in mind, he did rise from the dead, and people still don't believe it. People still don't believe it. And, and that's why Jesus says, look, God knows your hearts. I'm not giving you any signs here. I've told you enough. I've spoken my peace Everything that I've done so far has been a sign. In John's gospel, all the miracles are called signs. That's what they're called. The seven great signs, the miracles in John's gospel. The only sign you're going to get from now on is the sign of Jonah. My death, burial, and resurrection. So, there you have it. So, Jesus rises from the dead. He is able to descend into this realm of the dead and open up the gates of paradise so that these righteous saints of the old covenant time can come fully into the presence of the Most Holy Trinity in heaven. So, this is what Jesus did for us. And as Sister Teresa says, quote, Death is the deepest, darkest descent into human reality that God could have ever taken upon himself. Jesus' entire life was immersed in this dynamic of descent. 
As St. Paul writes, Christ emptied himself and humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he said this, of course, in Philippians chapter 2. This is the famous Song of Christ, or the Carmen Christi, as it's known, which means Song of Christ. Um, So this is what a lot of scholars think is an early worship hymn of the church in Philippians chapter 2. It's quite beautiful. It talks about how he emptied himself, took on the very nature of a servant, even becoming obedient to death on a cross, and God exalts him to the highest place. And so... Jesus is basically saying, if you still will not believe, even after this, nothing in the world could ever convince you. No healing, no miracle. It's not going to do it because your heart is not in the right place. And so we've got to make this descent as well. And in her devotional, uh, Sister Teresa mentions the example of John the Baptist. The bridegroom, if you will, is Jesus. He is the best man. He is the friend of the bridegroom, as he's described in John. And what does is, what is, um, John the Baptist say? He says, Jesus must increase. He must increase. I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become less. And, and a lot of people are in the habit of using this as sort of a password. You know, if you're walking up and down the stairs every day in your office building you could, or at home, you could say that. He must increase. I must decrease. I've got to humble myself here, descend into greatness, if you will, because this is what Jesus did. We have to follow his life as a template, like those WWJD bracelets they used to wear. What would Jesus do? The word Christian means little Christ. There's no other way. And Sister Teresa says that in her devotional. There's no other way. If we want to rise with Christ, we have to follow him in the pattern of his death. And it's not just our death at the end of our physical life. It's not just our physical death we need to think about in this memento mori time. Remember your death. We also have to think about dying daily, dying to ourselves. And this is why Jesus says in Luke's gospel, you've got to pick up your cross daily. Luke's version is the only one that says that. Pick up your cross daily. In Luke 9.23, Paul says... I die daily. I die daily. What, what did he mean by that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he says that. But I think, I think there's, there's a lot of deep meaning here because Paul, Paul is, I mean, what can you say about the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist of all time, and what a pattern of, of living that that self-emptying of Jesus Christ. And this all has to do, again, with dying and then rising, because in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, it's, it's, there's so much great theology from Paul about the resurrection. And he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So is your faith. And then he says, look, we, we're facing all kinds of suffering all day long, all kinds of persecution for preaching about Jesus, about his death and resurrection. If none of this is true, we're wasting our time. He says, look, let's eat and drink for, for tomorrow we die. If there is no resurrection, man, we're, we're found to be lying about God. If he didn't raise Jesus from the, from the dead, we're wasting our lives. People should feel sorry for us. But the truth is Jesus did rise from the dead. So all this suffering is worth it. It's worth it. He says in another place, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 36, he says, it, For it is written, 
for your sake. We are killed all the day long. We are counted as, as sheep for the slaughter. And that's a really a, a quotation of Psalm 44, verse 22. So Paul is under constant persecution. Constant persecution. And we, we, we look at the cross now, and it's obviously a symbol of our faith, especially the, uh, for us Catholics, the crucifix with the corpus of Christ on the cross. But even when we look at an empty cross, as one saint said, you've got to put yourself on it. You've got to be the body on this cross in a certain sense. It must remind you that that cross is looking for a body. That's what St. Maria said, and that has to be you. You've got to pick up your cross every single day. And so Paul did this all the time. He said uh, in Acts 20, verse 24, he was talking to the elders, the priests of the church in Ephesus. And he knew he'd never see these guys again. He knew he was eventually going to go to his death. He would never see them again. So before he gets on the ship, he says, Look, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel the good news of the grace of God. And, and he suffered unimaginable persecutions. He did die daily. Every time he walked into a synagogue, he knew that he was probably going to get stoned or beaten with rods or something terrible was going to happen. So many times he, he was left in that state. He was left stoned and left for dead on one occasion. He was shipwrecked, all kinds of persecutions. But he kept getting up again. He just brush himself off and keep preaching. And, and he didn't care about the fact that he could die physically, because he had already sort of accepted that my life doesn't belong to me. I did die to myself already. And the life that I have left, the hours, days, weeks, months, however long, only God knows, I'm going to dedicate this to serving my Lord. I've died with Christ already. I've picked up that cross, which was an instrument of torture and death. It's basically like today when people wear crosses on their jewelry, it's a little bit like wearing a pendant of an electric chair. That's what it would have looked like in the first century. And so, We've got, to, we've got to do this as well. We've got to turn our lives over to Christ. And paradoxically, that's when we find life. That's when we find life. Jesus says, look, if you, got, if you die to yourself, you will find life, the life in Jesus Christ. And so that's the paradox. Only then can we be free. When, we, when we're freed from the fear of death, and the scripture says this is, this is how the devil enslaves us, with the fear of death. If we're not afraid of that anymore, then... We can live freely for Christ. And that's what Paul did. That's what we've got to do as well. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We've got to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back. 888-914-9149. If you're in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash forester. All right. Well, musical selection courtesy of Patrick Alog sitting in for Jim Shaper today. Uh, Patrick's a big fan of the White Stripes, and they are from, of course, the Detroit, Michigan area. And we want to welcome once again 10:30 a.m. Detroit, 
as part of our Relevant Radio family, along with four other FM stations in the area. And you can get a complete listing of what those stations are and all around the country by going to relevantradio.com or the app and checking out the stations there. Well, speaking of pop music, yesterday on the show, we, we had a great time talking about the 90s and all the musical and cultural influences. And was the 90s your favorite decade? For a lot of people, it was. Some people are more 80s kids like me. But um, one one thing I, I, I did not know about, and I'm super thankful that our old friend Lucas Holt, Lucas Holt actually texted me after the show and said, hey, have you heard about this? And he actually sent me an article uh, from Alatea, written by Sarah Gardner. And it's about how another 90s musical icon has become, I don't know if he was an icon, but we'll, you could be the judge of this, but he has become an ordained deacon in the Orthodox, one of the Orthodox churches of the East. Who is it? It is Zach Hansen from the ubiquitous band Hansen. And if you don't know the name, you certainly know the song. Hit it, Patrick. Nobody really knows what the words are. I don't know what they are. Mbop is, is in it. I don't know. I have no idea. But but here's the deal. So Hanson was, of course, a band that was really popular. That, that, that song is from 1997, so we easily could have thrown that in for yesterday's episode. And if you missed it, go to the Relevant Radio app, relevantradio.com, and grab the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Listen to it. So that song, Mbop, came out in 1997. And, of course, the Hanson brothers, Isaac, Taylor, and Zach... They had, they had great flow, awesome hair, if you remember these guys, multi-platinum selling band. They had a couple more other hits after this, but really cool. You could say, for Zach Hansen, his greatest success in life just happened. Well, at least one of them. Actually, there's at least five other great successes in his life because he's now, believe it or not, and this is, this is making me feel super old, he's now a father of five. He's a father of five. I don't know how old his kids are, but... Zach Taylor has five kids. Wow. And he was recently ordained in the Orthodox Church, one of the Orthodox churches of the East, as a deacon. And this is according to the Gregorian, or sorry, excuse me, the Georgian. Gregorian is kind of our thing. The Georgian, nothing to do with the state of Georgia either. The Georgian Orthodox Diocese of North America. So, this is this is. I'll tell you how he got into orthodoxy in a in a minute. And I, I don't know. I don't know. We we have a uh, a very faithful listener to the program, uh, Paul in Youngstown, Ohio. I know Paul is listening right now. So maybe you can call in and shed some light on this. I've got I've got a question that I I don't I do not know the answer to off the top of my head. But here's the thing: if Zach Hansen is going to be an orthodox deacon. I wonder if he's going to be tempted to try to incorporate mbopping into liturgical chant. You know, something like, mbop, pray for us. No, it's not going to work. Uh, but, it, but anyways, um, how did he get interested in orthodoxy? Well, his aunt apparently is an orthodox nun. She is actually the abbess of St. Nina Georgian Orthodox Monastery, which is located in Union Bridge, Maryland. So Zach 
Zach Hansen became a member of the Orthodox faith over 10 years ago, and his brother Isaac did as well. So two of the three Hansen brothers became Orthodox. And of course, in a Catholic world, the Catholic Church recognizes the Orthodox churches of the East as real, honest-to-goodness churches. We don't look at them as we look at Protestant communities, and we call them Protestant communions or uh, congregations, but we don't call them churches because they do not have all seven sacraments. If you're baptized with water, not with beer or Coca-Cola, but if you're baptized with water in the name of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then you are a Christian. That makes you a Christian. But in terms of the church, you need all seven sacraments to be church, (laughs) to be churchy, if you will. So the Orthodox have that. They have all seven sacraments. Why? Because they still have a valid priesthood. They still have valid bishops, validly ordained bishops in apostolic succession. So they have a valid sacrament of holy orders. They can dispense all the sacraments. And so they are churches, properly speaking. And if you are a Catholic and you find yourself traveling somewhere and and there are no Catholic churches, for whatever reason, in the place where you find yourselves, but there is an Orthodox church, you could go there to fulfill your Sunday obligation. You could go to what they call the Divine Liturgy. We would call it the Mass. They call it the Divine Liturgy. And if they let you, you could receive the Eucharist there, and that would be a valid Eucharist. Now, they may not want you to because very often, and they, 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 and we have to respect this, uh, they, they, don't, they don't always appreciate it when Catholics do that, but some, some do. And, and again, there are many different Orthodox um, churches of the East. There is the Russian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, Ukrainian Orthodox, uh, Coptic Orthodox. It's all, there, there are many permutations, of course. And I can't speak for all of them. I can't even speak for any of them because I'm not Orthodox. But Nonetheless, they have valid sacraments. That's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. So this would be a valid diaconal ordination, if you will, for Zach Hansen. And by the way, he's, this is interesting. I did not know this, but in the Orthodox faith, deacons are also called father. Interesting. In the Catholic Church, we call our priests father. And really, there's many reasons for this biblically. Uh, St. Paul says, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Maybe he said that to Luke, because he was, he was uh, companions, of course, traveling companions, missionary companions with the apostle uh, Paul. Luke was, who wrote, of course, a quarter of the New Testament. You know, he and Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote the gospel of Luke, also the Acts of the Apostles, which is the book of early church history, kind of a two-part set. They're both addressed to the same guy, Theophilus, which means the lover of God. Whether he's a real guy or not is a, is a good question, but... But Luke and Paul travel together, and there's sections in the Acts of the Apostles, which are called the we sections, where uh, for a while Luke said, oh, Paul went here and Paul went there. But after a while, he starts saying, we went here and we went there. At that point, they were traveling together. And we know that Paul had a great affection for Luke. He called him the beloved physician, and Luke is with me. He's always been there for me. He's my my guy. He's my guy. So I, I, I don't know if Paul ever said to Luke, Luke, I am your father. But he, but he totally should have. He totally should have. Not that he, he would have been prefiguring Star Wars, I guess you could say. He really would have been a prophet if that was the case. But here we go. Hey, A-Log, you're on the ball today. I love it. Love it. So, taking speaking of Darth Vader, by the way, uh, this is we're going to be talking about this. Um, I, I mentioned it a touch, a touch, just a little bit, but I didn't really get into it. I will later, next week on The Faith Explained, we talk about 
the vestments of the high priest. He had this breastplate, which kind of looked like Darth Vader's, you know, the buttons and stuff that he had uh, on his chest. Interesting. I'll, I'll explain that. But um, I digress. I digress. I'm on a huge rabbit trail here. Let's bring it back. So deacons in the Orthodox Church apparently are also called Father, which is which is incredible. So he took the name, Zach Hansen took the name Father Mercurios, Mercurios, which is, now I don't know whether there's a, a Saint Mercurios in the Orthodox tradition and maybe Paul in Youngstown, Ohio. This would be the one time he's not actually listening. If he's not, if, this might be the one day that we didn't catch Paul. So if you're, if you're around Paul, fill me in on this. Is there a Saint Mercurios? I don't know. And we all know people who have mercurial personalities, which means that they're subject to sudden changes of mood or mind. Hey, not always easy to be around, but but I think it's a cool name, Mercurios. So he's now known as Father Mercurios. And he was ordained by a, a bishop, an Orthodox bishop, named Archpriest Saba on February the 5th. And by the way, that, that aunt of his, who's a nun, actually was there when, when he got ordained. So he's now serving... You can, if you want to find him, if you want to bring your Hanson t-shirts and CDs and stuff to autograph, I don't know if he'd do it. He'd probably say, get this out of here, you know, get, get this out of my father's house. I don't know, but uh, he's at the Holy Monastery of St. James in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma. Yeah, I remember now, the Hansons were from Oklahoma. Yeah, I remember that. But anyways, here, here's what it said on Facebook. The Georgian diocese said, quote, on behalf of our holy diocese, we congratulate Father Mercurios on his ordination as a deacon and wish him spiritual courage and physical strength as he continues to mbop his way through. No, they didn't, they didn't say that. And physical strength to fulfill this high service. Worthy. Worthy. I think it's really cool because uh, it, the Eastern rites, also of the Catholic Church, there are, there are Eastern rites in the Catholic Church. And if you were to attend a liturgy there, and many of you have, it's a really cool experience. If you've never done it, if you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance to attend an Eastern Catholic Rite liturgy, do it. It is a, it's a really amazing experience, the Divine Liturgy. And I got a chance to attend one back in 2008. That was a long time ago, but I went to the Eucharistic Congress in Quebec City in Canada, which is the birthplace of the Church in North America, by the way was in uh, what's now Quebec City. And it's kind of like the, the Olympics of the church. Every four years, they do a Eucharistic Congress somewhere in the world. And, and that's where it was that time. And so they had a divine liturgy, an Eastern Catholic liturgy, which I attended. And it was amazing. I, I loved it. But they would, it was really interesting because during the, during the readings, during the liturgy of the word, they would, the deacon would say, wisdom, be attentive, wisdom, be attentive. Like, like, listen, this is God speaking here. Get off your phone, pay attention. This is divine wisdom. So anyways, uh, they, they will, they'll always say things like this in the East, like worthy, you know, or be attentive, wisdom. Anyways, so how about that? I would, I would gather to guess, I would hazard a guess here that, Zach Hansen probably thinks that this is a much bigger deal than anything he experienced in the music world, that this is a highlight of his life. And he's, he's really hit the big time now, I guess he could say. And so we uh, pray for him uh, in his service. And that was an interesting story. So thank you, Lucas. Thank you, Lucas. And if you have a story, you can also send it to me. You can email me, kale at relevantradio.com. 
That is the email address, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. Good place to send it. Oh, and by the way, oh, Patrick Alog, our crack researcher, who he's doing double duty today. He's producing and researching. Uh, he says, first of all, uh, the Hanson brothers are not to be confused with the Hanson brothers from the movie Slapshot. That's a great point. That's a great point and a great movie. Uh, and also, apparently, uh, Zach's kids, his five kids, range from 16 months old to 14 years old. So there you go. There you go. And uh, apparently that, that article came out six months ago, so they're six months older than that. So, okay, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate that. Well, listen, we have to go away, not for six months, but just for a couple minutes here on The Kale Clark Show. We'll be right back, though. 888 Yeah, I love the Motown sound. Love Motown. Don't make music like that anymore. But we'll be right back. Welcome, Detroit, to the Relevant Radio family. How are you aligning your financial plan with your Catholic values? Is your Catholic faith influencing your financial future? Our sponsor, Creative Planning, has options. More info, including disclosures, at creativeplanning.com forward slash Catholic Focus. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the toll-free line to call to talk to me for free on Relevant Radio. It won't cost you anything but your time. It'll be time well spent, I guarantee it. 888-914-9149. We've had a fun show today. Talked about remembering our death and having to die daily, not just at the end of our life. It's part of the deal, picking up your cross. If you missed it, check the podcast. Should be up within about, uh, I'm going to say, about 15, 20 minutes after the program, Patrick. Should be should be up for you to, yeah, a little longer today. Okay, you're going to be leisurely about it today. Okay, I understand. Oh, you're a busy guy. You've got stuff to do. But... Um, Stay off the sports books, man. Just just do the show. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm, I'm pulling your leg, Patrick. But anyways, uh, it'll be up within about, uh, you can bet, uh, no pun intended, it'll be up uh, uh, a little bit after the show, so you can check it out. We talked about Zach Hansen becoming an Orthodox deacon from the Hansen Brothers. Not the Slapshot guys. Thank you for that clarification, Patrick, from the band Hansen. Interesting story. So if you missed any of that, check it out. Now I want to tell you, I want to shift gears, if you will, and that's a pun intended. That pun is intended because we are on the air now in Detroit. We've been talking about it all hour. Uh, really happy to bring the Kale Clark Show to the Motor City. We played some Motown music. Love Motown. And of course, Detroit is really, has been the hub of the auto industry for so, so long. And my dad used to work at Ford Motor Company, he spent his whole career there, and he would travel to Detroit all the time. And so... When it comes to vehicles now, uh, things are changing, of course. Uh, ICE vehicles will be phased out over the next couple of decades. Uh, internal combustion engines, if you will. And everyone's going EV, and of course, the big name is Tesla in that space. And I don't think you can really argue that. Uh, they've got a pretty good head start on everybody else in terms of tech. And today is actually their investor day. And it, it's always intriguing. It's a little bit like when Apple Computer hosts their Worldwide Developers Conference every year and they announce new products. I, I, this was happening just, I was trying to get ready for my show. I, you know, I've got stuff to do. I have not heard anything about any announcements that happened 
at the Tesla Investor Day, whether they announce new products. There's all this talk that they might have a compact electric vehicle that would only cost about $25,000. That might come in the next few years. Of course, the Cybertruck is supposed to come out in 2024. That's pretty wild. It's like something out of Blade Runner. But, but regardless of what you think about, about the company, I don't think anybody can argue they're, they're a major player uh, in the world, both for the present and the future. But the reason why I mention this is because of an incredible story that, that happened back in January. And I, I, I wanted to cover it back then, but for various reasons, wasn't able to. But I'm going to talk about it today. Did you hear about the Tesla that flew over a cliff? And the cliff in question is called Devil's Slide devil's slide and that is about 20 miles or so south of san francisco it's on highway number one the famous highway one in, in in california hugs the coastline the cliffs a tesla flew off of a cliff at devil's slide 250 feet high and it landed and everybody in the car survived it it, it is a miracle it is truly a miracle there was there wasn't even a fire it was a little bit like something out of a James Bond movie. or Unbelievable. It was a miracle, a true miracle, that there were no casualties, just some bumps and bruises. And I really do believe that God had mercy here. And, and apparently what happened was a physician intentionally, allegedly, allegedly, intentionally drove the car over the cliff in an attempt to kill himself and his family, his wife, his four-year-old daughter, his nine-year-old son were in the car. They all survived. And he has been charged with attempted murder. Interestingly enough, if we have time, we'll, we'll talk about this. His wife does not want him to be prosecuted. So all of this needs to be sorted out in, in a court of law in terms of the motive, what was really happening there. Uh, witnesses to the scene say that it appeared that the car drove intentionally off the cliff, that there were no, no brakes applied. Uh, an incredibly chilling and tragic potentially situation that, that unbelievably had every single person in this vehicle walk away. So I do think the hand of God was in play here, but I, I also think it's a, a miracle in a sense of engineering and physics too. And that's also something that comes from the hand of God. Human beings harvest, harvesting and, and harnessing, if you will, the materials of the earth and figuring out how to use them for the betterment of human lives and that the safer vehicles are part of that. And, and that's intriguing to me because we live in an intelligible universe, don't we? It's knowable. We can figure these truths out in, in all fields of endeavor, of knowledge and science. And, and ultimately all truth is God's truth. So we, we need not be afraid of any developments that, that can better the life of the human person. Anyway, so there's a guy named Omar Kazi who, um, who is a big uh, follower of Tesla, the company. And he, he wrote about what happened at Devil's Slide and really the, the miracle that occurred uh, with respect to this engineering. And, and this is not a, an, an ad for Tesla. A lot of people drive them. A lot of people think they are the safest cars on the road. And for, for reasons like this, it's hard to imagine uh, another vehicle. If it, for example, if it was a, a gas-powered engine car that had gone over the cliff. It would have burst into flames for sure. Uh, and even if the occupants survived somehow the fall, they would have been killed by the fire. But 
But at any rate, crashes along Devil's Slide in California happen a lot, according to the authorities. Sometimes people are driving too fast. Sometimes people just, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's something more, more dark, more sinister, like what's alleged here. So Dharmesh Patel, Dr. Dharmesh Patel, allegedly attempted a murder-suicide by driving off the cliff with his family, his wife, four-year-old daughter, as I said, nine-year-old son, in the vehicle. And Brian Pottinger, who is the battalion chief for California Fire, who was part of the investigation, he had this to say about the rescue. He said, quote, We go there all the time for cars over the cliff, and the people never live. They never live. This is an absolute miracle. End of quote. And in fact, when, when authorities arrived at the scene, the firefighters and everybody else, they did not expect to find survivors. And then they, they saw through their binoculars the sedan, and then they, they noticed people moving. And I think they were there for about an hour before the, the authorities were able to get to them. So they knew at least one person was still alive, and they were just shocked. And according to, uh, to Pottinger, he said, quote, the incident turned from what had, like, what had been likely a recovery of bodies to a rescue operation that took several hours amid constant rain, heavy winds, slick roads, and crashing waves, end of quote. So Cruz uh, pulled the kids out of the back window and had to, I, I posted a picture of the wreck, by the way, on my, on my Twitter feed, uh, just alerting people to the show topics tonight. So if you go to at Kale Clark on Twitter, you can see the picture of this. So Cruz actually pulled the kids out of the back window, brought them up the cliff by hand, the sheer cliff face, in a rescue basket using a rope system. They were rushed to the, hosp- to the hospital. They only had musculoskeletal injuries. So they were more scared than they were hurt, according to Brian Pottinger, the, the, the fire official. That is amazing. So a 250-foot drop, that, that is very, very high up. And all four passengers were also fully conscious when they were retrieved. So the, the engineering is amazing. And part of what allowed them to survive is that in a traditional uh, internal combustion engine car, the front of the vehicle obviously is filled with the engine. And whenever there's a crash, the engine gets pushed in towards the cabin. But EVs, and this, is, this would be true for any electric vehicle, not, not just a Tesla, they don't have engines. So the front of the vehicle is kind of like a crumple zone. It can be used for storage as well, the, the front trunk or the frunk as it's known. Uh, that's, what, that's what's in a lot of these cars, but also it's a crumple zone, so it provides this extra layer of safety. It, it kind of works like a, a metal trampoline, as Omar says, and it, it's a cushion against impact. And what's, what's also cool is that uh, this helped them to survive too. Tesla actually has something called computer vision automatic seatbelt pretensioners, pretensioners. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a mouthful there, but what does that mean? It essentially means that the seatbelt pre-tensioner can detect a crash is about to happen, pre-tighten the seatbelt ahead of time, and it actually learns, too, from, from all kinds of crashes that happen through software updates. The system learns and can adjust better in future you know, unfortunate events like that. So uh, it's interesting because crash testing continues after the car is built because of real data that's coming in uh, from the system all the time. Anyways, that was, uh, that was uh, really uh, interesting. It was a Model Y uh, Tesla that crashed, which, is, by, by the way, is the most American-made car in, in, that exists in, in, in 2023 because it's made in the USA. The majority of parts are also made in the USA, just... Just to let you know. So again, this is not uh, meant to be 
any kind of commercial saying go buy one or anything like that. But but I just think it, it really is a miracle. I do think the hand of God was involved in the fact that these people survived and were not hurt. That is an astounding miracle. But it's also a miracle of engineering, which is uh, incredible. Just incredible. And, and I don't know. Pat, my producer, Patrick Alog, just said, does the wife of this, this man... Uh, not want him to be prosecuted because she has forgiven him. That I don't know. That I cannot answer. Um, yeah, I did try to find some 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 info on that, and I was able to find a few articles, basically insist that that, that sort of just report that she doesn't want him to be prosecuted. And this is Dar- Dr. Darmesh Patel. His wife's name is Neha, or Neha, and um, she does not want him to be prosecuted. That's all. That's all that we know. That's all that we know. She did say, though, earlier, she made a comment closer to in time, the actual event, that it, that it was not an accident, that the crash was not an accident, which seems to square with witness accounts that it appeared to have been an intentional drive over the cliff. But um, she apparently told paramedics, quote, he tried to kill us, end of quote. So this really tr- would be another miracle of forgiveness if that if that is the case. And, and, and I don't know. It's just a really tragic and unfortunate situation, so we need to pray for this family and uh, for all involved, but just to have another chance at life, another shot at life, is, uh, is absolutely remarkable. Absolute, absolutely remarkable. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. And so we've got some great, great shows coming up for you as we move through Lent. We're going to continue on each day looking at the Memento Mori devotional uh, by Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. It's published by the Daughters of St. Paul, Pauline Books and Media. If you want to pick up a copy, I highly recommend it. It's kind of what I'm using for a special, extra special, uh, that I, kind of adding it on to my normal cycle of prayers, if you will, and just trying to do something a little bit more Lenten specific. And I'm, I'm finding it really uh, good because it really links to the readings of the Mass for, for every day as well. Patrick, what a jarring story, huh? I mean, have you ever heard anything like this? This is, I've never, this is an unbelievable uh, tale of survival. No, I haven't. And I, I'm still, the story is about the wife, like why why not charge? That's, I, I know about the miracle in terms of the car surviving and stuff like that, but that's mm-hmm. the one thing that still baffles me in terms of why no charges? You know, yeah, that, is I mean, it because of forgiveness. I mean, it would simply, it would certainly imply that that she's forgiven him, but we just don't know. We yeah. just don't know. And if anybody does know, I, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, you can email the program. It could be because she doesn't want her the children, uh, you know, her children to be without a father, to have a father in prison. I don't know. But on the other hand, can you can you really trust him at this point? It's there's a lot of unanswered questions here. Obviously, but it was a yeah. yeah and, go ahead. And I know this is not the best story, but is this a good endorsement of Tesla in terms of its safety? I, I think they are Two the safe. I, I think they are incredibly safe cars. They may be the safest vehicles uh, on the road, and this is something that's not really talked about too much because they don't they don't do any advertising. They don't do any advertising. It's part of their strategy. They've never spent a penny on marketing. And a lot. If you watch the Super Bowl, a lot of other EV makers, electric vehicle makers, did pay big bucks, seven million bucks for a spot in the Super Bowl, and for a thirty-second spot. And 
what's interesting is when they looked at web traffic afterwards, Tesla's web traffic went up, even though they didn't have an ad, because anybody who's looking for an electric vehicle is obviously going to compare what they're considering buying with, with the Tesla because they're kind of ubiquitous in the space and, and their technology is their battery technology and, and a lot of other tech is, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a controversial thing to say that they're, they're ahead of the game in that sense. And, and other companies are playing catch up. Uh, Jim Farley, who, who, by the way, is the brother of Chris Farley, the late Chris Farley, the comedian. We, we talked about the real Matt Foley on the Kale Clark Show, a Catholic priest who was a friend of Chris Farley's. Uh, he was a guest on the show before. Jim Farley, Chris's brother, is the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And he, he fully admits that, hey, we're trying to catch up here with the F-150 Lightning, uh, with you know, the E-Mustang and, and, and other uh, e-vehicles that they're, that they're building. But it, it's, it's a whole... Have to retool their whole factories to do to do electric. It's a, it's a totally different thing. So, well, it's been electric being with you, especially our, our new friends in Detroit, in Motown, on the Kale Clark Show. So glad that you're part of the relevant radio family. Hey, stay tuned. Lots of great programming coming up tonight. Patrick Alog produced day sitting in for Jim Shaper. Thomas and Gesser took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.